All right, here we go. Okay. So, blended family out there, if you are joining, we're about to have an amazing show today. We got Pastor Eric Anderson, one of my very close friends, joining the show. We're going to be talking about some really deep things today. Some of those things that your your daughter, if she is in that adolescent, that teen phase, she might not share with you. She might be a little afraid. She might not know how to voice those concerns, those challenges. Well, we're giving you a little bit of insight into that on today. It's going to be a great show. If you don't know me, if you're tuning in, let me give you a little bit of background. My name is Marcus Holmes, originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And long story short, 17 years ago yesterday, me and my wife got married. So yesterday was our anniversary. We've been married 17 years. And before that, um, I met her years before that, met this amazing little girl that came with the relationship. And I have been changed ever since. I've been made a better man because of my daughter, Camille. She's an amazing young lady. Um, we are a blended family. And I will tell you the reason why I do the blended playbook, the blended family playbook is so you don't have to go through some of the struggles that I did, as well as the people on this show that I bring are bringing relevant knowledge. So you can make it through. I'm letting you know now you can make it. If you're on the verge of divorce because you don't know how to navigate this blended family uh, ocean, sometimes it feels like a hurricane, right? Sometimes it feels like you're not going to make it. I'm letting you know if me and me and Eric, me and Pastor Anderson have made it and all of the other guests that we've on this show, if, they, if we've made it, you can make it. Don't give up. This is your lifeline on today. And I'm just letting you know, you can, because if we did, you can. And I'm telling you, I've been on the verge of divorce and it was me. I wanted to divorce my wife over the child support or lack thereof at one point early on in our marriage. Wasn't her fault, but I was blaming her out of my immaturity. So we talk about all those things. But this being said, I want to make sure that you do this. I've got to have you do this. Like and share this link so people can join the broadcast. We want your conversation. We want you to just just feel like you have a voice. So if you if you if you want to say anything, comment. All right. We want you to know we're here for you to answer any questions. There's going to be an interactive dialogue. It's going to be some good stuff going on today, guys. That being said, that being we want a few minutes for people to come on and join. We know some of y'all are sleeping off that Sunday nap after eating that Papa Joe's brunch. <laughs> Ain't that right here? <laughs> they sleeping off that nap from Papa Joe's brunch. Y'all. Brunch, I heard you. Man, that brunch at Papa Joe's on Kirby and what is Richmond? Ooh. Yeah, free pub. <laughs> Man, that is the best brunch I've ever had. It will put you into a coma. The food is so good. And uh, I know some of y'all are sleeping that off. So we're going to wait a few more minutes, but I'm telling you this much, man, this is going to be a dynamite show. The reason why is let me give you a little bit of background on, on uh, Pastor Eric Anderson. One, 
the only reason I have him on this show is I can verify for his character. I can verify absolute with his character. I've known I've known Pastor Eric Anderson now for a while. I want to say we've been married 17 years, so I've known him 15. 15 years. years. Yep. Yep. And um, I remember when his daughter, who is now in high school, I remember when she stroller. So, y'all, I've known this guy. We have lived in the same neighborhoods after we found out 15 years ago. We lived in the same neighborhoods and we still live in the same neighborhoods 15 years later, right down the street from each other. Just started an amazing ministry called Global Outreach Community Church, which we're going to talk about as well and how that all factors into what he's doing. He's been part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes and still is. Now he's the international director. And, and Eric, I'll have you give the proper title here in a second. But when I tell you that this, this guy knows youth because he's worked at the YMCA. He's been a director over there. He's been with Fellowship of Christian Athletes where they go into the schools, middle school, high school, college, the professional ranks. This guy has a resume that speaks to the to the the expertise that we're going to talk about on today. And he's took some surveys. So he's not just guessing at what young young ladies want from their fathers. He's not just guessing at what four year old men wish their fathers had have showed them or told them or 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 displayed. He's giving you the real raw data, because I was actually one of those survey participants on on that. So, guys, this is going to be a great show. It's going to be a fantastic show. Hey, there's my boy, Eric Jones, just got off work. Eric, thank you for joining the show, man. It's going to be dynamite. It's going to be dynamite. Eric, if you can, I know you just got off work, man. Anything that you can hear that you want to comment on, let us know. But again, Eric Jones, thank you for joining. Just got off work, y'all, and he's on the show. All right, Eric, I, I think we I think I'm ready to dive into this. This is gonna be some good stuff. Now, now if I know your wife, she's in her Gucci slippers, right no, no, in the area. <laughs> my wife. And she's and she and she's pushing you on. Here's the great thing, guys. When you have a wife. One thing I know about about um about Cheryl, um, Eric's wife, she loves him to life. And when you see a woman who loves her husband, supports him, backs him up, um, it's something you want to comment on, you want to look at. And I'm telling you, y'all, you ever want to see a woman who unequivocally loves her husband, I want you to take a look at Cheryl Anderson. So. Um, Cheryl, thank you for letting us have your husband's time because I know he's been up probably since five this morning. Um, thank you. So if you can hear me, Cheryl, just I just want to say thank you. I want to also give honor to Aaron, Eric's Eric's amazing daughter uh, with all that personality. Thank you for letting us have your dad for for about an hour and a half. So, um, Eric, let's let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. So. Um, Give us a little background about how you and Cheryl met, you know, the whole blended family, because that's also why, guys, he's on here is because we're talking about not just relationships between the the normal father daughter, but even in terms of a blended family. Eric is a blended family. So, Eric, can you give us kind of the, the genesis 
of you and Cheryl's relationship and how you guys came about and, and how it even leads into this subject we're about to dive into. Oh, yes. Let me say, uh, first of all, happy anniversary. I know that you just celebrated, I believe, what, 17 years yesterday? 17 years, and we couldn't celebrate because our son has an ear infection. So, um, I, Eric, can I say this, man? And thank you for bringing that up. I have an amazing wife, guys. And, and y'all that have been part of this broadcast, I have an amazing wife who supports me um, and deals with a very difficult person because I'm not easy to deal with, right? I'm not easy to live with. Um, Join the club. Yeah, so I, I, I know I'm not, but I'm telling you, 17 years brought us to the point where, Eric, we didn't get mad that we couldn't celebrate our anniversary. We were supposed to go to a black tie event last night um, with a, a mutual friend of ours. And we, um, our friend didn't trip. I was home taking care of Pops. I was home taking care of Major. Um, wasn't able to go to church this morning and celebrate uh, another day with just uh, uh, my church family. But we're okay. 17 years, yeah. and we were able to celebrate a son who wouldn't be here if we hadn't gotten married 17 years ago. So that's, that's right. anniversary. That's right. and, and that's the maturity part of it, right? We're going to celebrate, but thank you for bringing that up. And um, I just want you to know I uh, appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, thank you for allowing me to be on your platform. I'm excited to just share. You know, you use this word expert, and every time I hear that in reference to me, I kind of cringe because I don't consider myself an expert of anything, but I have a, uh, I would say a history, a track record of working with uh, students, athletes, teenagers, children uh, over the years. And I would actually say it's been about 25 years. I started out at the YMCA as a team camp van driver. Mark is making $6.45 an hour. I think I was 23, a 24, you know, uh, my dream was to go to the NFL. That didn't happen. So you do the next best thing. A real man will find a job. And my brother called me and said, hey, they have a job at the Lake Houston Family YMCA. Now I want you to let you know it's only $6.45 an hour. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> so that's where I uh, began my journey. But I actually met my wife at church. Now, this is my story. And it's my side of the story. So I'm going to tell it like I choose to. My wife is not here to defend herself, Marcus. <laughs> so we met at church and I was the youth director slash youth pastor at church. And I've been over the youth ministry and Sakina, our oldest daughter, and we have a blended family. So she's my oldest daughter through the blended family. She would come to the, the youth class. She would come on Sundays and she would talk a lot. I was like, man, this little kid is always talking. <laughs> she class lively. So she would come to class. And I didn't know this, but she would go back home and tell Cheryl, oh, my youth pastor is so handsome. He's so good looking. I'm embellishing the story, but it's my story. Um, <laughs> and mom, you need to meet him. One day, my pastor's daughter-in-law introduced us. And this is what I said to Cheryl. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, one day we need to go out. Marcus, I didn't ask her out for six months. Wow. So it took me about six months just to even ask her out because I'm the kind of guy, uh, I didn't want to move too quick. And sure. at that time, I was already uh, a minister. I was in the ministry. And I was really trying to watch some of the things that I wanted to do personally 
because I knew what kind of integrity or character I wanted to display while being a preacher. See, see, my wife just put that smiley face up there. It's my side. <laughs> <of the story. laughs> so anyway, it took me six months to ask, ask her out on our first date. And what I told her was I was really just trying to watch her from the background because I wanted to see what kind of lady is this because I'm in ministry. It's messy. It's not easy. You know, you can stand up and preach to people who despise you. Although you're preaching what I believe is the good news of the gospel, but not everybody likes the personality of the individual who's delivering the message. So I wanted to make sure that if this is someone I was going to get involved with, that she could handle the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we six months later had our first date. It was Sakina and my wife who went to uh, Joe Crab Shack in Humble. And they just sit there the whole time just talking and talking. I just kind of watch them because I'm, again, I'm just a person. I'm going to feel you. I don't want to watch you. I don't make sudden moves. We left and I said, this may be the one. And I think it was seven months later, uh, we were engaged. And then maybe a year and a half after that, we got married. So it was it was just a great time in my life where I met the right person at the right time. And I always swore that I would never date a woman with a child. So we need to talk about that. And against my wife, it's just, I didn't want all the drama that came with a ready-made family. Mm. I had to eat those words, but thank God I ate those words because I have a jewel of blend in my form of my wife, Cheryl, but also in the form of my daughter, Sakina Cooper. Absolutely. I I don't know why I don't remember that because we've known each other for so long, but maybe I've just forgot that yeah. you, you said you weren't ever going to do that. Mm. Um, or you, That wasn't an intention. It wasn't um, my first choice. It wasn't your first choice, right? Yeah. So that's, that's good to know. And guys, I want you all to understand something um, in, what, in what Eric said out there. It's okay to feel that way. We, you want to be in touch with your feelings. Now, me, I was the exact opposite because why I had been, I was raised in a blended family, so I didn't have an issue. I had told my wife, Eric, I don't know if I remember telling you this. I told my wife, I said, Mom, I don't have a problem. If I marry a woman that has children, I'm good. And it was that was that. Why? Because my wife, my dad married my mom and she had already had my, my sister my sister was already in the family and part of the equation. So um, it's guys, what I'm trying to show you is you see both ways. We still got to the same point, which is marrying two great women that had kids um, before marriage, uh, before we married them and things work out. So right, right. I don't want to stop. But I like what you said, you know, you have to be true to yourself. You know, you can yeah. fool people, but you can't fool yourself. So I don't want to sit here and pretend that, you know, uh, Hey, Hey, I didn't want to follow in my intentions to date someone with a child, but that's how it worked out for me. And I had to make some adjustments along the way. I don't regret anything I'm through in our last, what, 17 years together, this dating and being married. Uh, so I definitely appreciate that because it has made me who I am today. The good times, the bad times. Uh, I know there was a time, and people won't believe this, especially people who are watching this that know my wife and I, that it got so rough that my wife one time just said, hey, it's okay if you want to divorce me. And Marcus, I will tell you, 
Uh, I said some words that I probably wouldn't repeat on here. I said, oh, no, I am not divorcing you because I married you because I love you. And if I love you, I will deal with all the things that come along with you. And we made it through it. Um, there was times that, and you know this, we, you and I would meet at restaurants. Brother, you've been a great friend. Uh, you would cry uh, figuratively on my shoulders. I would cry on your shoulders. And we would vent to one another because a blended family is tough and people need to realize that. Um, it's not easy, but it's wisdom. And you are mentored and you love the individual that you fell in love with. And you realize that child that came with the marriage is part of the package. You will make your way through it. So that's why my wife and I are still together today, because I love my wife through the thick and through the thin, through the good, the bad and the ugly. And when it came to my oldest daughter, hey, there's some things that I had to learn about myself as I came into the marriage and I'm still learning about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's funny. Um, guys, I want I want to I want to say this to all the people listening. If you don't have a friend that you can confide in, in terms of sometimes when you're struggling and they don't tell you what you want to hear, they tell you what you need to hear. I, re I still remember to this day. And I think this is the first time I've I've I just I I remember it now. I called Eric, y'all. I had called Eric and I was I just broke down crying. Yeah, because remember that. You remember that? And because I didn't think that, and this is how the devil and sometimes emotions and what you watching and what you seeing and you seeing other people having babies, I wanted to have another child. And it, there was at one point I was thinking, I don't think my wife wants to have a child with me. Yeah. I yeah. called Eric and I said, Eric, I just, I don't, and I mean, y'all, I broke down crying. I'm talking about boohooing crying. And, and Marcus, I actually thought it was a medical emergency. So I told you, hey, brother, let's get off the phone. And we met at Applebee's, you remember, in Atascacita. Yep. And you broke down in the restaurant. Uh, so didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just thought about that. We got off the phone. We drove to Applebee's and we met and we had a conversation as men. Yep. And I'm glad you brought that up because far too often we get taught that real man or real men don't cry. That's right. No, man, that's, that's a misnomer. We do cry. We have feelings. We are hurt. We're disappointed. We're let down. And the real man needs another real man to talk to. That's right. And what I love about our relationship uh, through that period of and season of good, bad, and ugly, we always agreed that whatever we were going through as it relates to a blended family, we could talk to one another. We could be open, transparent, and never judge one another based off of our feelings and what we were in our marriage. Yes, sir. And and y'all, I want y'all to understand when you when you have a friendship like that, the presence of God will enter it. So like even when we're talking right now, I feel the presence of God in the conversation. You know why? I could talk to Eric about anything and I knew it wasn't going any further. If you don't have a man or a woman in your life that you can talk to and sometimes just cry. And I'm talking about you, you might feel like divorcing your husband or your wife. You might feel like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. You know, I'm having problems with this blended family thing. It's just not working. 
and they tell you what you need to hear. Now they listen, but what you want to hear. Need to hear. Not yes. what you want to hear. Yes. I advise you to find somebody like that. And if you don't have anybody, I need you to be dialing in every Sunday at six so we can talk because or hit me up on Messenger. Um, you can hit Pastor Eric Anderson up on Messenger and we'll if we can't help you, we can direct you towards somebody that can. So, guys, I'm just letting you know, you got to find somebody that you can talk to and just sometimes unload. But they tell you what they need, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, that was good, Marcus, because, uh, again, that point is so uh, pertinent. It's so important that, hey, you need people in your life that will literally talk you off the ledge because sometimes we're just on that ledge and you just need a good friend who's willing to listen. And I've been surrounded, uh, blessed to have friends that have listened to me. Uh, my pastor, Pastor James Carrington, Jr., I remember we went through a rough time in our marriage. I know we're going to talk about uh, the list of uh, that I gathered from the dad university. But before we get there, I remember calling my pastor and something happened with uh, Sakina and her dad and myself. And I just picked up the phone, man, and I called my pastor and I broke down crying. I mean, it was just this emotions out of nowhere because I was frustrated and I was upset and I was disappointed about some things that, I think should have been and could have been handled in a different manner. And I was just so frustrated, but my pastor listened to me. Why? Because he had a blend family. And one of the things yeah. I love, and, and, and I'm a Christian, I am who I am, about God's sovereignty is this. God knew that I would pastor one day. So he prepared me to be able to deal with blended families by allowing me to have a blended family to go through the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the one to give up, the disappointments, so that I now can counsel, if we use that word, talk to, share, and be very open about the blended family. Not always giving 10 scriptures in a prayer, but doing real life with people. And people want someone who, who they're authentic, they're real, and they will be as transparent as needed in that moment to do life with them. Come on. Come on. Absolutely, man. Um, I think, Eric, that's that's what it boils down to. Real life. Mm -hmm. that do real life with people. I don't I don't it's just because I'm getting older and I'm understanding this thing better. But I don't want your textbook knowledge. I want to talk to people and deal people that have experiential knowledge. Yes, um, sir. That talk to me because yeah. they've been through it. And that's why I have a multitude of friends, because not every friend has been through everything I've been through. So, guys, I'm just telling you, your network defines your net worth, but it also says something about your self-worth. And, and Eric, that's what I really want people to understand. You've got to learn to be transparent with your friends, those good friends, like friends like I got, like Eric, I, I can tell them something and I, I can tell Eric something. And I know I don't I don't have to qualify it, man, don't say nothing. Right. Man, please don't share that. We, we know, and that's where you want to get, and you got to find friends like that. So, um, no, please go ahead and continue. Please, Eric. Yeah, yeah so, I, you know, like I said, looking back on it, I am so glad that I met my wife at church. So we got married, and that in itself was a blessing. I'm always looking at God's stamp of approval over certain decisions I make. So even when we got married, 
Marcus, people started stepping up and saying, listen, we want to bless you. We want to pay for certain things in the wedding. We want to pay uh, pay for certain things as it relates to uh, being a blessing to you guys. And when I look back, man, you'd be blown away if I told you how much we came out of our pocket to pay for that. And I already knew it was God's stamp of approval, but that did not make it easy having a blended family. Mm. So let me share this. Uh, so I did work at the YMCA. I've been a teen camp director. I've been a day camp director. Uh, I've been a senior director. I've been a district manager. I've been a, what they call a multi-site manager overseeing uh, multi-sites. I did that for 11 and a half years. And then I became the East Houston director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I would be able to work with athletes, middle school, high school, college, and depending on how it looked, you know, professional athletes, but I was more so at that level with middle school students and also high school students. And then when we did camp, summer camp, I was able to work with college athletes. So I did that for six and a half years. Then praise God for promotion. I became the city director. We would call it the Metro director of the city of Houston, wow. overseeing all of the staff. I was responsible for fiscal management, for vision casting, fundraising, development of the ministry. I worked with a executive board that also tied back into a great Houston board, but I also worked with some of our staff and their boards across the city of Houston. So I was able to, uh, be able to network with people, whether they were build anything. And now that I look back, it was all strategic. Yeah. I worked in Huntsville at an underprivileged camp where I would walk outside and there would be young men at the camp smoking weed. They didn't have a father. So I would have to mentor them. Uh, I've worked in affluent areas. So you name it. And now I serve as the regional international coordinator for Latin America, but it's also with Texas. So my job, my responsibility is to align our staff in Texas with our strategic focus there in Latin America. And we do that through pray, give and go. So my job is to help our staff align with our ISPs. We call them international sports partners in Latin America. Okay. So. That being said, I mean, for you, what was the the pivotal moment when you knew it was time to to start a church, right? Because you got this blended family. Now you're also doing quite a bit in FCA. You're a minister at your own church, an assistant or associate pastor at your um, at your former church that you had been probably well over twenty years. What what was it? What made you say, "Man, I want to add"? This much more on my plate. What, what was it? Well, it was really, um, I, I, I want to oversimplify it and over-spiritualize it, but I, it is what it is. Man, I had just started losing sleep. And there's a, a great book by Bill Hybels. I would recommend it. It's called Holy Discontent. And I got into that state where I had, had this discontent. And what that meant for me was, I have been in our church 21 years. I've served as the youth director. I was in men's ministry. Uh, I was a Christian a director of Christian education. I mean, you know it, Marcus. I probably have worked in every facet and phase of the church at Will and Workers Baptist Church. Yeah. And I thank God for my pastor 
who saw something in me to say, hey, you need to uh, move in this direction or you need to serve in this ministry. And I ended up serving as the assistant pastor for, I would say, seven, eight years. So during that last few years, I would just come to church and it was this holy discontent. There was nothing wrong with the vision at Willing Workers, but God has started stirring up this new vision in my heart. And for a while, I fought it. I would say, no, I want to stay right here. I want to serve. I'm traveling with FCA. Uh, I got this uh, new assignment in Latin America. I may be in uh, Colombia. I may be, be in Venezuela. I may be in the Dominican Republic. Why add more? Well, I started losing sleep for six months, Marcus, and I would get up at one and two in the morning and I would go to the gym and I would work for hours trying to just get this off of me. But I had started losing so much sleep that my wife had already knew that the Lord was calling me to plant a church. Okay. She looked at me and said, hey, when are you going to stop being disobedient and just follow what God is asking you to do? I was like, oh, wow, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I was also taking classes at Dallas Theological Seminary at the time. So you have a new assignment, a blended family. I'm serving uh, part-time on staff at a church. I'm in seminary. So I'm looking at all of this, and yet the God will not allow me to rest. So let me plug this in. Um, I just believe that there are divine assignments on our lives. And there are times when we just need to experience this re- restlessness till we submit to the plan and purposes of our lives. So once I submitted, I met with five mentors. They all said the same thing. And this is what they said, Eric, we knew God was calling you to plant a church. We were just waiting for you to get the memo. Wow. Marcus, none of them talked to each other. And yet they said the same thing. So I said, okay, the next hard assignment is to talk to my pastor. So I text my pastor and I said, pastor, do you have an hour before a Bible study that you and I can meet? Sure. My pastor has an open door policy. I can call him on his cell phone right now. If he doesn't pick up, he'll text me back or he'll call me back. That's the kind of relationship that we have. So I walked in and I was just nervous, Mark, because I, I didn't know how my pastor would respond. So I started just explaining things I was going through, things that I had sensed. Uh, just the nudging of the Holy Spirit, even with all of this on my plate. And once I finished, my pastor looked at me and said, oh, son, I knew this. You're ready. And here's the key. He said, and your family is ready. That's a big one. All right, y'all. That's huge. So, y'all, I want you to, I just put this nugget of info up there. This is what I said. There are divine assignments on our life that until we submit to them, we will be restless. Guys, I want you to understand that divine assignments doesn't, it, 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 for those of you who just go to church seven days a week, 48 hours a day, <laughs> if you know what I mean, I'm not talking about just in the pulpit or in the church. I'm talking about sometimes God has called you to be an entrepreneur or right. start this business venture or, or be um, like Eric said, you checking this guy or this young lady out and you're afraid because they're a blended family that she's our, she's she's she has some children or he has some children. And you know that it's designed for you to be with this person, but you're afraid. 
you're going to be restless until you submit to that that divine assignment. So I, I, I want to put that up there, guys. This is a good nugget. Guys, some of you out there have some divine assignments on your life and you know it. I need you to go ahead and submit to them because the world is waiting on that connection to take place because it is meant to impact the kingdom of God. All right. Yeah, so go ahead, Eric. Exactly. Please go ahead. And, continue. and I don't want to miss this also, Marcus. So when I uh, married Cheryl, my pastor also got her involved in ministry. So, man, she, she talks about this to this day. We started dating. I said, hey, hey, come on up here with me in the youth ministry. So we started working together. And then she started uh, being a part of the, the women's ministry. And at that time, we also had the minister wives ministry. And it was just certain things in the church that my wife uh, got actively involved in. And it was just training. Preparation for what we're doing today. Yeah. Now, if I had uh, been disobedient and fought against me falling in love with my wife because she had a daughter that was not my daughter biologically, I would have missed my blessing. So again, not trying to preach. That's a, we talked about divine assignment, but that was divine appointment that I met my wife at Willing Workers Baptist Church. That was my divine appointment. We got married. And then later on, I received a divine assignment. So sometimes uh, that appointment and assignment is so tied to the spouse. And my pastor used to always say, son, your wife make or break your ministry. You got to make sure that you marry the right lady. So if there's any young men out there who are aspiring to pastor to get into the ministry, as we continue to uh, make our way to this, this list, man, you have to make sure that you are connected to the right person because connectivity is very important. Man, that is so key. I'm, I'm typing this out because this is another nugget. Um, man, um, woo, this, is, this is a good one. Y'all, hold, hold on. Keep on talking. I got to drop this little nugget. That's a good one here. Hold on. I got, I'm trying to, it only gives me so many characters. How how many are missing out on our, and I'm just going to say spouse. How about that? That's what I'll do. Yeah. On our spouse, because, and, and hold on, because I'm going to type the next one. I feel you about to drop another one on us here um, because they already. Ooh, so, so this is something I want to touch on, right? This is so key. How many of us are missing out on our spouse because they already have children? It's a divine spouse. See, when you get married and you are doing it God's way and submitting to what he wants, because what you want is what he wants. It's divine. And how many of us are missing out on divine assignments because we're stubborn, we're pigheaded, we're we're bullheaded or we're allowing what society says is proper and the right way. And it's completely wrong. So, y'all, I, I love what Eric said. Divine spouse. My wife, divine. I know that I was I was put on this earth to marry Crystal Holmes. Nobody else. Now, I pray that, you know, she outlives me or we like some of these people on the Internet. Eric, they they pass away together. Like when she passes away, like two minutes later, I'm going to be like, I'm coming to meet Chris and I'm out. 
I was put on this earth to marry Crystal Holmes. There's nobody else. I don't want to marry nobody else. That's she's the woman for me. I don't want to marry nobody else, Doc. So when it's divine, that's the way you feel. Now, yeah. Eric, sometimes she gets on my nerves, but ooh, I mean, I still love her to death, and I know I get on her nerves more than exactly. She but yeah, for me, and that's what it is. It's a divine connection, man. Divine connection. So let me say this also, and and again, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of pointing us to this direction, and, and I know you're great at that, but. <laughs> See, my wife said there's a, a there's a blessing in obedience. <laughs> so that may be threefold, Marcus, because one, as soon as I talked to my pastor and he gave me his blessing to plant a church and he told me that he would be behind me 110 percent. We were crying in his office. But Marcus, I went home and I went to sleep. As soon as I hit the pillow, and that was the first time that I was able to do that in six months. Why? Because as my wife said, I was obedient to that. And when I was obedient, man, rest came. So, man, listen, I just got through preaching today, and I was excited doing a sermon, so I'm trying not to do that. Uh, but, man, that is so key. The next thing is, there was a period during our dating process that I almost backed out of the deal. And it was just some things that was going on and, and, and not to say too much, uh, but there were some things that kind of caused concern and sure. we, I had to work through that. But again, what if I would have backed out of it, man, I would have missed my divine, beautiful angel. So I'm glad that I didn't allow those minute things. And for me, it was minute. I'm not saying anybody else was listening. Your situation is not minute, but for me, I had to look at those things and say, wait a minute, in the big picture, in the big scheme of life, that's minute because this is what God has brought to me, and these are the things that I just have to deal with that's connected to who he has brought to me. Man, so so Eric, this is this is really good, and I love what Eric Jones, Eric, man, thank you for being transparent. Eric says... This is so good because I was thinking about if I ever got in another relationship, I would not get involved with the woman with kids. Man, I'm telling you, Eric, there's some of the best women, Doc. Don't get it. Man, man don't get this thing twisted. Marcus, can I say this to Eric Jones? Go ahead, Eric. Let me say this. There was a point that it got so rough in our marriage, um, and I don't want to say too much to to betray my my daughter or her um confidentiality in me and her privacy, but there were some things that we were going through that, man, I was frustrated. And I have to be honest, I'm not going to sit here and lie with anybody. It had got so rough that literally my daughter would come in, I would speak to her and I'd go to my room. I mean, I, this anger and this bitterness had seeped on the inside because of some things we were going through. And I kept saying, man, I don't deserve this. You know, I think I'm a heck of a man. You know, I didn't ask for this. And I would literally pray and tell God, this is the stuff I was talking to you about. My wife checked me. And it was in a good way. She pulled me to the side one day and said, Eric, you are the only dad that she has. And you need to be her dad. Man, oh, my God. It was like she slapped me and gut me at the same time. Yeah. But she, she did it in such a gentle way. 
that I realized, man, God brought me to, to brought me to my wife for a reason. It was bigger than just my wife. It was bigger than the ministry. It was bigger than all this ancillary stuff. It was also for the protection and the love of my oldest daughter. Thank God that I wasn't disobedient and that I fell in love with my oldest daughter. Absolutely, man. And that's the one thing, y'all, I want you to know. He loves his daughter. Um, uh, we call her Kiki. If you, if you, if you know it's Kiki, but he loves his daughter. Even, even now, um, I love the fact that you'll see that he, he, they interact the way they talk, um, the way she supports her dad in ministry. It, I think it's a testament to the relationship that, that, that he was intentional about having years ago. When you see her getting there early on a Sunday and asking how she can help, staying after and helping put up stuff. She ain't doing that for show. She ain't doing that. She's 25, got her own job. She's doing great. Yes. But it shows relationship, guys. And I'm just telling you, Eric Jones, man, I'm going to tell you, I think I'm about to get a T-shirt, Eric, that says, man, <laughs> having a, a woman with kids, I, I, I married a woman that had kids before I was married, and I'm a better man before it. I mean, that's the way to go. Now, I'm not talking about any of you sisters that don't have kids. I'm not singling you out or putting you out there. I'm just telling you. There's some there, 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 the women that have kids. It's it's it, it's good. Doc. It's good. It's awesome. Don't let that be the reason why you miss out on your blessing, Eric. All right. Yes. yes. All right. Yeah. So, um, man, let me see. Is there any more comments? OK. OK. I just see people. People are, are leaving a lot of comments. And um, let me see if there's any more coming up. Let me see. Let me see. Nope, I think that's it so far. So, Eric, we're going to dive into the crux of why we have you on today. This is going to be good stuff, guys. So I hope you're taking notes, but I'm going to try to write these out as soon as they come. So, Eric, let's start with the young ladies. Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm glad you, you hit on young ladies is, one, me and you both have daughters that are, I think, the same age. I think Sakina uh, is a little older. But our daughters are, are, are the same age, they're 25, I believe. Um, that's key to me. Why? Because daughters are a different element than sons. And I'm so glad you asked the question because it's for guys, it's sometimes hard to interact with 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 girls, with their daughters. It's it's just hard, right? I, I see a lot of guys, sometimes it's just awkward. They don't know how to express emotion. And you know, my daughter seen me cry. You know, she knows I love her. She knows I do anything for her. She knows that <laughs> she's spoiled. And I try not to, but she's spoiled. Um, but she knows I love her. Uh, you know, so Eric, this is where you can really help the guys out there that are struggling or they might think they're doing good. Yeah. And don't even have a clue that they're disconnected from their daughter. So let's go ahead and dive into that, right? Um, Let's let's dive into that. Um, oh, and here's my wife who says God teaches us so much about his love for us in spite of us through a blended family. I'm going to tell you, because like uh, you were saying, Eric, it, it tested. It's tested me. I know it's tested Crystal. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, <laughs> I think yes. you beat that one uh, to death. Yes, it does. Thanks for commenting, honey. Um, Eric, let's dive into that, man. 
what what are the the eleven? I think you had eleven points, right? Was it eleven um, things that young ladies said about their daughters? So why don't we just go through them, and we'll provide comment and context as we go. But why don't we start with number one? Okay, so this is a list that was generated uh, by me talking to my youngest daughter, Erin and a lot of her friends. So my youngest daughter is in the ninth grade. And one of the things I really try to do is to uh, listen to teenagers because you learn so much. Uh, I have a great father, Marcus. I mean, when I say par excellent, I could count on one hand the number of football games that my dad missed from seventh grade to my senior year. And the only reason he missed some of my junior college games is because I went to college in Kansas, Coffeyville, Kansas. But <clears throat> one of the things that I wish my dad would have done is just slow down long enough just to hear my heart. My dad, great father, and he was taught to work hard and to take us to church. And I heard this this morning, so I'm going to use it. My dad was a professional drug dealer. Here's what I mean by that. He drug us to church. So we stayed in church so much that when I became 18, I literally told my dad, I hate church, man. I, man, I've, I've been in church. Uh, I'm going to heaven whether I, I go to church or not from 18 to however long I have to live. But with that said, one of the things that I wanted my dad to do was just to slow down long enough to, to listen. But he was in that generation where, hey, you do what I tell you to do and you don't talk back. And we're dealing with a different generation. And there are times that we have to slow down in our busy schedule to listen to our teenagers and our young adults and our little girls as well as boys. Because if we slow down to listen, man, we will learn so much. So I was asked to speak at Dad University on March the 3rd. So I talked to all of Aaron's friends. And what I want to do is just get a sense of what they wanted from their fathers. Sure. And they gave me a list. Man, it was just too much. So I just wrote down 14 things and we'll go through them um, that they wanted from their fathers. And the first one was more understanding. Wow. That they felt like their fathers didn't understand them because wow. they was too busy pursuing a career, but not pursuing their daughters. Ooh, 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 hold on. Oh man, let me drop that one. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta put that one out there. Hold on, let me, let me, let me. That's another nugget, guys. I try to keep these coming as they, uh, writing them on screen as they come. Say that one more time for the audience, Eric. They wanted mm. more understanding. That they had great fathers, but the fathers were busy pursuing their careers, and the daughters wanted them to pursue them. Not like there's some, you know, dating them, but it's just dad. Hey, can you slow down long enough to give me Keep. some time, some attention? And when you do that, you can understand me. Man. And I try to sit down with my daughters now. So I have a ninth grader. Aaron's 14. She'll be 15 next month. Oh my God. She's growing up so fast. Sakina's 25. She'll be 26 in August. And just over the years, Mars, I realized that there were times I did a poor job in understanding my girls. There were times when 
they would come to me and I would try to fix things. They didn't want me to fix it. They just wanted me to listen. <laughs> but then there were times when they wanted me to understand and listen, I would try to fix it, vice versa. Ooh. So I had to start understanding them. And there's a saying, I think it's from a uh, good, great. So I like to read a lot. I mean, I got an extensive library. So from good to great, I believe this is where I got this quote, seek to understand before you're understood. Man. So my daughters wanted me to understand them. And as parents, we do a poor job of understanding our kids. We're living in a different age, a different time. And our kids are different. It's not that they're bad. It's just different. And we have to understand where they're coming from. And when we don't, we miss it. Because I think about us, man, I had a flat top in high school. Picture that. You know, I wore some crazy stuff, but my parents had to understand where I was at that time. But when they were my age, they probably was rocking the afro, the bell bottoms. They had their fab. And what our kids are asking us to do is, hey, understand me. Seek to understand before you're understood. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, this is this is good. This is some good stuff. Ooh, okay, y'all. All right, so all right, and we got we got Erica. She's saying they want their dads to be there. Um, that that's it. People, oh, that's there. That's in the top fourteen. Okay. <laughs> that's in the top fourteen. Yes. So, Marcus, this is the second thing. These girls, night girders, said they want a space to learn to make mistakes. And to grow. They wanted to have their parents not only stand there, but hey, give me space to learn, to make my mistakes, and to grow. Far too often, we want our, our teenagers and our daughters and our sons to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. And I had to realize that because I did some crazy things. <laughs> not Pastor Anderson, but Eric E. Dog. That was my nickname, Anderson. I did some crazy things, some things I wish I could forget. But my dad allowed me to grow. My dad is, um, so I'm 45. My sister's 47. So my dad's been a associate minister for 47 years. So imagine that. My entire life, I grew up in a Christian home with a military-like Baptist father. And then I played sports my whole life. So everything was regimented. You had to be disciplined. You had to do this. You had to be here at a certain time. Um, but with that said, my dad didn't expect us to be perfect. Hmm. And he could tell when we made mistakes. Yeah. He would discipline us, but he would also give us room to grow. So what I would say to dads is don't expect your daughters to be perfect. Give them space and room to grow to make their mistakes. And they will learn from it. But that took me a while to figure that out, Marcus. Yes, sir. This is you know, it took me a while. It, you know, it, it took me a while, Eric. Um, but I, I was able to learn real quick that if I wanted to reach my daughter, I had to stop acting like I, I had to stop getting the convenient parent memory. Uh, uh no. We get parent memory loss, Eric. That's what we're going to call it. We get parent amnesia. When we become parents, we forget the shenanigans and the foolishness that we went through. But I realized now 
And I'm glad I, I recognized it early on. And I thank God. It's nothing but God. When I started being able to meet my daughter where she was in yes. her adolescence, it totally changed our relationship where she felt a lot more comfortable coming to me when she was making mistakes. And it's now translated into a great relationship now where, again, Eric, my daughter will call me and talk for about 50 minutes and I'll talk about 30 seconds. All she wants to do sometimes is just me be a sounding board. And I've learned that there. I've learned when she asks for advice, I give it. My daughter is one of those types. She, she'll listen to the one yes or no that I said out of the 50 minutes of her talking. That's all she needed. She just needed that one yes or no, that confirmation, that affirmation. But Eric, I earned that by showing her, I get it, babe. You made mistakes. So did I. You know what your dad? <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> Eric, I wasn't E-Dog. What, what was I? I was uh, I, I was Smooth Casanova in high school. That was my name, Smooth Casanova. So yeah. I was there. And, I, and, and when I let her know that, it transformed the relationship because, again, she saw, okay, you know, I can trust dad because he knows. I'm just at, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah. So um, really good stuff Eric. Really now, Marcus, good stuff. That doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable. Uh, exactly. Because I will hold you accountable for certain mistakes. Absolutely. I'm not just going to let you off the hook. Absolutely. But what they're saying is, hey, dad, uh, you didn't turn 45 overnight. It was a process. And I still make mistakes. So if I still make mistakes at 45, what do we think our kids are doing? at 13 and 14 and 15, but we still hold them accountable. But what they're saying is, hey, don't expect me to be 45 when I am 13. Let me be a teenager. That's Give me that space to learn. Come back and coach me up. Literally, these kids are asking to be held accountable yep. for their mistakes. Yep. Been allowing me to grow. You know, Eric, and it's, it's like what Erica just said. It's teaching them independence and maturity when you hold them accountable. But when they see that you hold them accountable in the spirit of love yes. and not judgment, that's what I think sometimes we as parents, it's so hard for us to show the love when we're judging them. And, and I mean, right. hold them accountable, but do it in love. Man, what's already done, you can't make up for it. I mean, put them, put them on punishment, but don't, don't kill them. Don't, and my wife would always say school. this. That's that new school. My dad didn't believe in punishment. Oh. Oh, you believe in that good belt. Camille <laughs> yeah, got a lot of those too. Yeah, he did. Camille, she got a lot of them, but they were always in love, right? I'd always, I'd always, it was only like I tell her, like, hey, Camille, I'm gonna give you three licks, babe. Yeah. Now, no, that's me. That's what I used to say. <laughs> you know, but she knew I loved her, and right. my wife would always tell me, and this is, I think, a, a good point, Eric. My wife would say, babe, don't punish her to the point of breaking her spirit. Break the try to break the we do wrong, but don't break her spirit. Don't 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 try to. I mean, just make her feel bad or feel guilty because that's what we can do as parents. And and I admonish parents that are doing that to stop it because that starts that starts leaning over to the lane of, of uh, manipulation. You don't yeah. ever want to be manipulating your your kids. They need to know that you're a parent that you support them while they're growing. Doesn't mean endorsing the wrong but supporting them through their growth. 
Go ahead. And I like what Erica just said. She said, teach them to learn from their mistakes. It teaches them independence and maturity. So there were times when, uh, even now, Aaron makes mistakes or Kiki Sakina makes mistakes. I don't go in there and try to solve the problem. I say, okay, what's your, and she'll tell you today, I'll ask her, so what's your game plan? But that took me a while to get there. Exactly. She's 25 now, and I had to mature over the process from 13 to 25. But if yeah. you ask her right now, when you make a mistake, what, what would be the first thing your dad will say? She's going to say, oh, that's easy. What's your game plan? And that's what I learned. Uh, so I'm going to combine some of these. Uh, number four is more time and attention that our daughters, and I believe our sons as well, but our daughters want more time and attention from their dads. And time and attention is not sitting on the couch and he's working via email, but he's sitting next to her in proximity. Time and attention is, man, maybe some date nights. Uninterrupted time where your daughter and you are together and it's just the two of you because what I realized is you won't ever get that time back. That's right. You never get time back. And there are some things that you would learn about your daughters or your sons when you have that intentional time and you give them that attention. There's just some some intimacy there. This is some things you're going to learn sure. because it's the two of you. And yes. I've learned so much from my girls, not always having them together, but when they are apart and just giving them some time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Eric, I think it's it's so key because um, Camille, when when I take Camille out on dates, Camille loved the fact that wherever we were going to go, she was going to try to get a steak. My daughter had some, I'd be like, babe, I mean, she's like that. And now she's at the point, you know, I, and it's funny and we joke about it, but that time with her, me buying her a steak, whether it was from Fridays or, or Chili's, she just, she said, dad, I just like ordering steak with you. I just like ordering steaks with you. But that time, Eric, was so key where it was away from mom. It was away from church. It was away from other kids because we were involved in youth ministry quite a bit at our church. I didn't ever want her feeling that her time was always going to be shared. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, Eric, it's paid. It's paid in spades. I know just like with you and Kiki, just like with you and Aaron, it pays off. It's yeah. paid off. It's paid off. So anyway, go. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I this is good. And you said uh, a steak. Sometimes you don't even have to take him out. It's that's just right. sitting at home. I will literally come home and there are times we have family night and we take out the board games, Monopoly, Connect yep. Four, yep. Checkers, and we play games as a family. But then there are times Aaron just wants to play with dad. Yep. And every now and then I will allow her to win. I'm very competitive, but <laughs> she just wants that time. And that's something that she will never forget. That's right. And I believe my dad set us up for success in that area. That when they had great jobs, my dad worked at TXI and my mother worked at the airport every Friday night. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I told you this last week. They would take us out on Friday nights for family night. And we would go to Red Lobster. They didn't have those cheese biscuits then. But man, God, dog, just family. Yes, sir. On Friday, that somewhere at 6.30 to 7, we're heading down. 59 North, 
to get to Humble, to get the Red Lobster. And that was just a highlight. Ooh. It's just little things like that. So now our kids want that. But we have to slow down long enough to give them that time and attention because we will look up and it will be gone. Marcus, I preach funerals. Of, uh, I think a kid was 18. Uh, I've done 12 years old. You know, I've been a part of uh, funerals where there were infants, you name it, adults, whether it was preaching or serving. And every time, you know what I think about? Man, I have less time today than I had yesterday. What am I going to do intentionally to make sure my family knows that I love them and I'm going to be there? Uh, and here's the second thing. <clears throat> I got taught this early on, and I try to exemplify this, and this is why I'm big on families at the church. I don't want my girls hating church because of dad. So, okay, now this is a good one, man. Now me and you both can talk on this one, right? Because y'all, just to let y'all know, blended family, uh, uh, playbook listeners, me and Eric have talked about this because I, I had to repent to my family um, about five or six years ago about this specific thing. And so, Eric, what you're touching on, I think, needs to be heard. And I hope there's some ministers out there. Y'all, Let me don't, don't let me forget to do this. One, I need y'all to share this broadcast. I need y'all to tell people about it. This is going to be on Global Outreach's uh, page. We're going to make sure to send this over to Pastor Anderson so he can post this to the blog. Y'all need to be hearing this stuff. But if you have any ministers out there that need to hear this, where they they exchange church for and, and want to say that God is behind it, I'm telling you, he's not. He is not about this. So, Eric, I think this is a good segue point to touch on it. So, yeah, go ahead. Let's let's do it. Oh, and Erica, thank you for for commenting. I want her. To, I, I really want to touch on this. It teaches our daughters how a man should treat them. Absolutely. Yes. Spot yes. 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 Yeah, I yes. would agree with that. So uh, go, go, ahead. go ahead, please. Just with that, uh, my my pastor again, man, I love my pastor to life. Uh, as I got closer to exiting out of the church to plant a church, man, he shared so much with me. But over 21 years, I got to see a lot, you know, behind the scenes. And one thing he would talk to me about, and I have other mentors, is don't let the church be your mistress. Okay, that's one. But then don't allow the church to be so important that I was on a date night, uh, Friday night with a pastor and his wife. And the first question he asked me is, when is your date night? How much time are you spending with your girls? Because he had been there. And I think uh, he probably had three heart attacks already. He said, Eric, and I hope no one gets offended about uh, by this, but this is reality. He said, at the end of the day, people will come into your church. They will leave your church. They will get upset with you. Uh, their feelings are going to get hurt. He said, but at the end of the day, you may do something that's wrong, right? They may say you preach too long. You don't preach enough. You don't dress right. You got on jeans. You messed over a word. You wasn't grammatically correct. He said, but when all that's said and done, you're coming home to your wife and your children. That if everybody else leave you, make sure it's your wife and your children that don't leave you. So I'm trying to make sure that I carve out that intentional time to be there for my daughter. Absolutely, man. So that was one of the things is that more time and attention. And then believe it or not, uh, and I'm just jumping around on the list, 
Number 10, these girls said that they wanted to grow together spiritually with their dad, that they literally want time to pray with their dads. And when I heard that, I was just glad that that's something that I started early with both of my daughters. <clears throat> so when we got married uh, and Sakina was seven, eight, I may be off somewhere there, maybe nine. I would go in her room and I would pray with her before she went to bed. Aaron, when I started taking Aaron to pre-K, I started praying with Aaron before she got out of the car to go into school. And even to this day, she's in the ninth grade. I pray with her before she gets out the, the truck. And I remember one time I missed it. She was just, uh, we was rushing, we was running late and I forgot to pray and she stopped, she wouldn't move. I said, hey, you're going to be late to class. Everything all right? Yeah, dad, you didn't pray for me today. That means a lot for me. And man, that dawned on me that we literally have our kids wanting us to cover them in prayer. So that's number 10, that they want to grow spiritually. So I'm learning to slow down long enough, not to just get in my spiritual time, but how do I help my daughters grow spiritually? But starting off with prayer, something simple as prayer. This is, you know, I, I think this right here is so, so very, very critical. We forget about prayer. Um, you know, one thing that um, me and Crystal always try to do before Major goes to school is we, we pray over him and then we speak into his life. Um, Parents, I would I would implore you. And I think this is so key, but so much overlooked. Your daughters want to grow spiritually with you, not behind you, not in front of you. And what I mean by in front of you is if your daughter is going to church and you're not, she wants you to be at church with her. Guys, I, dads, I don't care about what past hurt the church put in your life or that you went through because of quote unquote, the church, you cannot allow that to impact your relationship with your daughter and not having Jesus Christ is that triangle with you, her and Jesus Christ. You, 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 you realize it, it's not a triangle. It's, it's going to be imbalanced and there's going to be regret. So they, your daughters want to grow spiritually with you. Yes, yeah. man. That that's huge, Eric. That's number ten. Now I want everybody on the broadcast to know I'm going to have Pastor Anderson send me all of those um, points again for daughters, and I'm going to make sure to repost them um, again on Instagram and all the other social media sites that you can find me on. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Eric. This is good. Uh, and well, I'll combine the last two, Marcus, because I know uh, I also did a poll with men that were over forty and things that they wish they had from their father. So the last two, again, this poll uh, is something that we tallied because I met with Aaron, my uh, ninth grade daughter, who's 14 and a bunch of her friends. So here's number 13 and 14. Talk to me, don't lecture. That's a big difference. That they want us to talk to them. And when we're talking, we don't always have to lecture. And it's so easy to talk and your talk becomes a lecture. <laughs> But they just want us to talk to them and not always lecture them. So we can we can chase that rabbit trail for a long time. But let me jump to number 14. Number 14 says this. Um, don't be a hypocrite. Live what you preach. Ooh, 
Ooh. So let me repeat that. Don't be a hypocrite. Live what you preach. Don't. That our kids are literally watching us. And what we would tell them is, don't do what I do, do what I say. But no, that's being hypocritical. They are watching us. And Man. more is caught than taught. Man. All right, y'all. Y'all. Dads, and I'm gonna call I'm gonna call out the moms too, moms and dads. <laughs> Don't be a hypocrite, live what you preach. That means that again, that, that old adage um of uh do as I say, not as I do, that's garbage. Throw that mess out the window. Do as I say is not not as I do is a contradiction. Live what you preach. Eric, I think that's so key. Um because that's where you 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 start introducing disrespect. That's when I think sometimes you see kids where you know they're getting mad that the child is being disrespectful towards them. One way at church and one way at home, but then you want to call them out for being disrespectful towards you. When yes, they should be honoring you as a parent, but can you make it easy for for them? Can we make it easy on our kids to be respectful and to us? Eric, I think that's so key because um, how many of us? And, and I mean, I have to pre, <laughs> I have to apologize to my wife and my daughter, um, and even my son in some in some cases because I missed it. And Eric, so that's the other thing I want to I want to share, Eric. If you mess up. Apologize. Don't act like you you're impervious to to apologizing or that you're perfect. That's one thing my daughters. I mess up, baby. Can we dig in right there? Let's we put a stake. Real quick. So this uh, came up. They were taught that hey, even if they messed up, they didn't apologize. Ooh. And I can remember something that happened within my family that uh, my sister she was right. She didn't do. My dad we. Spain, he gave a whooping. Now, you know, that's a difference. Yeah. And she was right. She didn't do it. My dad said, you did do it. And my, my sister, no, I didn't. You don't tell me I'm wrong. Well, at that point, I understood what my dad was saying. But then once he found out the truth behind it, he was always taught, you don't apologize. Right? Well, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but for me in my house... <laughs> What I've learned to do is, if I'm wrong and I miss the mark, I will be man to tell my daughters, I'm sorry. I missed that. And it takes nothing away from me to admit to my kids that I missed it. Because that shows them that I am not perfect and that I am a human being and that I'm willing to say I'm sorry when I miss it. So man. I so many kids, Marcus. For 25 years, that literally, now you you only get one half of the story, so I understand that, but are uh, hurt over that that incident of being right, but their parents would never apologize, and it just, just that something that simple hurt them for years and years and years. Come on, Eric, how many relationships between a parent and their child have been totally destroyed 
because a parent wouldn't apologize. I'm looking at Amber Renee. What's going on, Amber Renee? This is this is family from Albuquerque's hometown. She's saying it took 45 years before her mom ever apologized to her. Eric, I, I don't, I can't fathom that. Now, you know, my dad, he, he would apologize. Now, my mom, <laughs> my mom, now she, I, you know, mom was a little hard on us, man. Mom, get that switch or that ironing cord. Or, oh, man, oh, you was real old school. <laughs> she was old school. She was like, Armageddon, you know, you were, you were going to get it. But, yeah. it, but what I'm seeing is, and, and, and all jokes aside, Eric, for Amber to say 45 years, that's, that hurt, that hurts me, right? Um, not, not, not that, and, and I don't know Amber's mom. I know Amber, and I know a parent child relationship. That, that just seems like a wow statement. That's a wow statement, man. And I know Amber, if I know Amber well enough, I know that she still loves her mom additionally. Um, I just, that's, wow. I don't want to be like that, right? I will, And that's why I apologize early and often with Camille. I try to do it with Chris. I try to make sure I do it with Major. But Eric, I think that's huge. And, and, and let's, 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 let's touch on that a little bit more, Eric. Has that, how has that impacted your family? Um, that kind of old school mentality of, oh, we, we, I'm not going to apologize. You know, even though I know, right? How has that impacted your family? Well, it changed me. It had to start with me because I had to understand that just because uh, that worked for my dad. So to speak, okay. it doesn't mean that I need to incorporate that same philosophy in my house. So it took a lot for me to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know I'm the adult, but I was wrong in that. And I had to let go of my pride and my ego and then say, sweetheart, I was wrong. Can you forgive me? Yeah. And you could just see this release in their eyes. Um, because it did a lot for them to know, man, my dad really just apologized to me. So that, again, goes back to showing them that you are not perfect. And we don't want to set our kids up for failure, especially within the blended family, uh, by showing them that we are perfect. It's no way you can. So stop acting like you are perfect. And that goes right back to don't be a hypocrite. So just, just kind of putting a, a, a nice little bow tie over it. You know, I've talked to so many teenagers and young adults that said, my God, I wish my parents lived their best at home. They lived their worst at home, Marcus, but they lived their best in the public eye. And that was, <laughs> man, they were being hypocrites. So then when we try to uh, lead our kids in the right direction, you know what their first thought is? And I'm not saying it's right. Well, you're not doing it. You're not even living what you're preaching. Come, come on, Eric. And then, and then you wonder why, like, like Erica said, it's saying you you might not ever live long enough to get the deserved apology. You still have to forgive them. So let's touch on that. But Eric, you know what happens? You get people who then don't want to be 
at church because then they think everybody at church because of how their parents were are hypocrites. So we got a bunch of parents who are faking and fronting. And Eric, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I used to be the same way. I, I mean, me, <laughs> I used to be that way, Eric, where I had to show that I was perfect at church. But me and Crystal or, you know, I had an argument. with Chris, No, 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 no. Perfectly. Camille was seeing dad one way at home, one way at church. And it was hypocritical. Let me be straight up honest. And I'm so glad that she called me out on it. I was able to accept it. And that's when I stopped because I'm going to tell you, Eric, I didn't want what God convicted me on is he said, based on your, your, how you're acting at church, do you want Camille to learn to love me through you and your relationship with, with me? Well, what she's seeing is, is, is a battle. She's seeing a conflict. She's seeing some of this contradictory. So Eric, I think this is so, man, this is a good one. So now, this is, I'm, I'm, wow. Yeah, I love what Erica just put up here. Um, so some people don't live long enough. And that's what I had to realize is that, man, I may be gone like that. And I don't want my daughters as much as possible to see that I made this blatant mistake and I wouldn't own it. We have to own it. And then when we own it, it takes nothing away from us to apologize to our kids because in our teenagers, I don't want to call them kids. But it teaches them that when they make a mistake to own it, apologize and move forward. Here's the last thing on this section, Marcus, is sure. these girls said they wish that their dads would tell them, I love you more. A simple, I love you. And the problem was, these girls said, my dad is buying me more stuff. I don't want more stuff. I want my dad. And I just want my dad to tell me that he loves me. So we, I believe we do a great job in our family. We're not perfect. We're flawed. We've made a lot of mistakes. We make mistakes all the time. We argue in front of our kids. Uh, we have uh, some high-volume high conversations in front of our kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The day, they know that we are a family unit. We're not perfect, but we love each other, but we love them. So it's nothing for us to say, hey, I love you. Now, again, my dad was great. My grandfather didn't tell my dad all the time that he loved him. So my dad carried that trait with him. So even today, it's hard for my dad at 72 to say, I love you. That I would say, dad, I love you. And he, I mean, it just, it, it's like he has a mental block, Marcus. But he would tell Aaron and Sakina, his grandkids, I love y'all. And I used wow. to get jealous. I used to get upset. Wow. But it took me to understand that my dad was, wasn't raised that way. That the way he demonstrated love was to get up every day, to go to work, to bring the check home, to put a roof over our heads, to make sure the lights were on, to put food on our table, take us to church, and to be a good father. So that was his way of demonstrating love. But as a son, man, I just want to hear it every now and then. Wow. So we have to make sure that we are not only demonstrating it through our actions, but we're verbalizing it through our words. Man, this is this is a good. Eric, I think I think we're going to have to have a part two where we talk about the men. And, and I think we want to invite 
one of our brothers or maybe one of your friends that's on that that can really touch on what he wished he had in his his parent. We might have to do a part two because it's 720. And this is really such great stuff. Man, these are some great nuggets. I mean, my wife, presence over presence. Absolutely. They want our presence. They have to have it. And 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 here's another thing. Um, and, you know, and I want to touch on what Eric has said. We were taught to put on a happy face when, out, when we're outside of home. And, man, I'm going to tell you that I understand. And what she's saying is so true. Eric, I think I've, I've gotten accustomed and we as people get accustomed to having the mask on. I want to live a life where I don't have to take the mask off. I don't have to put it on. This is me. What you see in the house, the way you see me out in public, I better be acting that way at home. Um, Eric, this is a good one, man. This yeah. this was, man, this, <laughs> the, the I love you, my dad, um, he wasn't big on that either, Eric. But I look at the fact that my dad will tell you, my dad, my grandfather, I never met him. I never met my grandfather. He died of, I believe, cirrhosis of the liver. Mm -hmm. He wasn't involved that much in my dad's life. So my dad didn't, and, and I think maybe that's why, my dad didn't grow up saying I love you a whole lot. Now, now he has, I mean, now his grandkids, like you said, Eric, same thing. I mean, he he loves on on Major and Xavier and Layla more than he loves on me and Leland and Timmy. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if he isn't, I don't care. Now he might. Now I, I respect my dad and honor him, but he knows that we've talked about that, right? And I'm just telling you, it's so necessary that we tell our kids, our sons and our daughters, that we love them. Uh oh, uh oh, my dad and just uh oh, uh oh, Eric, my dad, my dad and uh. Uh, come on, come on. You can, you can come on. My, my son about to comment, Eric. I, I see it coming. But yeah, Dad, don't whoop you too much. And and here's the so Marcus. I've I worked in uh, Kingwood. So for those who are not familiar with our area, Kingwood is a affluent neighborhood in pockets for the most part. So when I became the team camp driver, that was one summer. The next summer, I became the team camp director. So I was a team camp director for two years, team camp driver for one year. Marcus, I had kids showing up to camp with more money in their pocket than I had as a grown man in my pocket. So we would go on field, I say field trips, excursions <laughs> to whether it was Astroworld, different sites. And I was just listening to these kids, predominantly Anglo kids, but then we had a few African-Americans, uh, I would say a few Hispanics. And they had two parents in the household. I remember talking to this one young lady and her dad was a pilot, worked hard. And she just said, Mr. Eric, I just want my dad. And she pulled out a wad of cash. I mean, so much so I wanted to ask her, hey, can I hold a few? But she just said, Eric, this doesn't mean anything to me. I, Crystal, I'm not lying. I wanted to just snatch that money. <laughs> and I was broke and I was doing bad, man. I was doing real bad at that time. But she said, this doesn't mean anything to me. And we ended up driving to her home. And I could, I could see it like it was yesterday. It was in this cul-de-sac. And it was like this just huge mansion. 
And it was literally empty. And I was like, well, yes. why you guys don't have furniture? We never there. My dad is constantly gone. My mom is constantly gone. And although I have this wad and I can get what I want, she really wanted them. So what ended up happening, and, and I definitely uh, uh, won't name her, you know, mention her name on, on publicly. She ended up drinking. She ended up doing drugs as she got older. She, of course, you have to make your own decisions. But I often wonder if her parents was actively involved in her life, how would that have changed some of the decisions she made? Because we still make dumb decisions. Two parents in the home. But if they were there and they were giving her presents, them, instead of presents, money, man, how much further would she been down the road? Mm. It, it's, it's people like that that I think about over the years of, wow, man, I've been fortunate enough to work in uh, different platforms to see different teenagers and young adults and, and people from different walks of life. Uh, that man, they just want their presence. <clears throat> uh, last month, I was in Honduras. Uh, before that, I was in Mexico uh, in December. Uh, I've been to El Salvador twice. I feel like I live in the Dominican Republic. I've been there nine times uh, with my job travels. Uh, I'm missing a couple of countries. And here's what I noticed. Kids, teenagers are the same anywhere in the world. There's no difference. We speak different languages, but we still speak the same language of love. And they want their time and they want the love. Man, no matter. Wow. No matter. I'm just going to put no matter the continent. Want the same thing from their fathers. Yeah. Love and attention. Maybe that's why when we started out, God just kind of hooked us up. You know, when we when we got married, you know, April Fool's Day, this man got laid off. You know, April fourteenth, we come together, we fly in, we're trying to figure it out. I, I remember one time we moved in an apartment here um, across from Fall Creek Community. So we're looking at those houses over in Fall Creek, and then here we are in these apartments. And I remember we had just uh, moved out of a home that we were sharing with one of the mothers in our church because we had had just a really tumultuous season. I just feel like that was like the time we were like, okay, God, what is really going on? But I look back and I realized that every phase of that, you know, and I can't wait till you have a chat with Camille on some of these things. It was like God was gluing us together. And our love for one another glued us together. We might not have had all of the things that we even have now. You know, I think about that. I think about how, wow, you know, but I was not, we, I don't think either one of us were in a, in a state of, you know, of course there were times when we were like, Lord, you know, how much longer are we going to have these things going down? But I just remember it during that season with raising Camille and bringing her up, that all of our needs, the things that we needed were there. I can remember looking in that apartment and saying, wow, we got this, we, we're starting all over. Remember that? We had that one chair, that that ottoman, that round ottoman. Boy, I didn't want anybody to sit in that ottoman. That ottoman was my bed. I just, I loved it. But I can just remember like 
what you were saying about love is the same language everywhere. That we had love and we had each other. And we may not have had all of these things. Like we weren't throwing her all of these, you know, we didn't do the game systems and all that stuff. We didn't, we didn't have all of that. But we had time with one another. We we did charades. Camille could imitate every member of the church. It was hilarious. And we would sit there and clown and you know, just so many things that we did together. And I'm just grateful, you know, looking back on, on that and even with, with Major, you know, how we're, we're just trying to even navigate it. Like, okay, enough of that. Now come on over here, you know, with yep. things. It's not about things. You right. know, it's about time with us. So, yeah. uh, you know, Eric, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think if, if you're okay, I want you to check your calendar this for next Sunday. Can you do next Sunday, 6 p.m.? I don't know if you're traveling overseas or not. No, I, uh, I'm i making a trip somewhere this week, but I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'll be All back. Right. Come be back and Sunday. Part. I'll be here with you on Sunday evening. All right, man. Let's do part two where we start talking about what men wanted from others. I think mm -hmm. that's going to be another epic episode. This one has been great. We've had over 46 comments on today. and. Can I say this? I was trying to yep. type and my iPhone died. I know y'all got things to say about that already. Just straight up in there. Take care of me. I wonder if you say anything about that iPhone. <laughs> but, but I just wanted to say that uh, when you shared, when both of you all shared that, and you know, both of you all have amazing fathers. Eric, you know, I love your dad. I just, I, love I, really dad. Do. Yeah, I, do. I just absolutely adore him. And dad on the phone, you know, I'm not your in-law. I can't stand that word. You know, I'm your daughter. I'm the only one that matters. I'm just kidding. You have two wonderful daughters-in-law. But um, but just that Jesus. reality of what Jesus. that son needs, you know, just what that, what that, I don't, you know, and I mean, this is not a knock against him, but I just think it's so powerful when you said, you know, I don't know if it was just that lack of affection in a male, you know, type of sense. Like, we don't do that. You know, we just... We stand strong, you know, we don't we don't hug and embrace, you know, like I see Marcus, you know, giving major kisses and we talk about that. We're like, you know, he wants him to feel the the love of a father. It's almost like the Bible love. You know, the Bible talks about a holy kiss and, and, and I believe and even in other customs, they greet each other with a kiss, you know, but we are so like starch and stiff with our sons and you know, sometimes dads haven't seen that. They didn't see that growing up. Like you said. All they saw was the way I show him affection is providing. Yeah. And I think that leads to a whole nother, you know, teaching a man what manhood is about and, and just what real love is and what affection is. And it keeps it from being even tainted, you know, where it turns into some other ideas, you know, like it's okay to feel that the one that's secure, that has the strong shoulders, can also have they're, they're not just strong shoulders, but they're arms of love that can embrace you, and that that also means strength too. You know, and and just know that you have that love, and it's not hurting you, it's not violating you, it's a safety. You know, and yeah, I think yeah. that's I think a lot of men are missing that. You know, yeah. So, wow. uh, so Marcus, can I can I can I close you know my part by encouraging uh, blend families with this. That is not easy, and it wasn't meant to be easy. That it, it has to 
go through a, a maturation process. I see you, team iPhone. I, I, see, I see you, Eric. It don't matter. Yeah. Get rid of them iPhones. Storms going to come and blend the family. Things are going to happen. Uh, but you can make it. So I want to say that to some blended family that you can make it. You know, uh, I just remember little things like Kiki's dad and I. Man, we, we, a few times we got into a few altercations verbally. And it could have went further than that. And I think about stuff like that, the misunderstandings that I've had with my my oldest daughter, the the hurt feelings, the things that I did, the things that she has done. And at the end of the day, she's 25 and we love each other more today. And we have a better relationship today. And we have clarity and more understanding today than we than we had when she was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And sometimes you got to be in there for the long haul. Ooh, ooh, that, ooh, that, amen. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and here's why I say sometimes every situation is different. So I, I want to, you know, if, if oh, we can, this is another rabbit trail. I don't want to trace. But for us, it was for the long haul. And I was in it for the long haul because I love my wife. And now I get to see the fruit from the seeds that was sown years ago and it's just started maturing. That yeah, my daughter I, now I was writing that, Eric, about yeah. the long game versus the short game. You can't you you take a long game because now my daughter is actively involved in the planning of this church. She serves on the pray team, praise team on the Crystal's leadership and she's all in. But what if I had given up on her oh, a long you. time ago? Thank you. I would have missed the fruit that I've sown through the seeds a long time ago. So we, we have to be in it for the long haul, man. I mean, it, it's it's a journey. Yeah. Straight yeah. up, man. I, and I'm telling you, Eric, when I think about what I know you've been through, you, Cheryl, Kiki, Aaron, as a blended family, and I see Kiki and 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 Aaron, and I, but let's just focus on Kiki because you know, like you said, that that's a, that was a lot. But you never gave up on her. I'm gonna tell you, just me seeing what she's doing. And y'all, if you were at the beginning of the broadcast listening, I'm gonna say it again. It's just the presence of God when I, I feel when, whenever I say I look at what Kiki is doing. That's intentional from the investment Eric made. Eric wasn't focused on the short game, y'all, because he could have given up on her if he was focused on the short game. Yeah. Eric didn't give up on his daughter. He said, I'm in it for the long-term relationship. And it went beyond his love for just Cheryl. And that's the other thing, guys, I'm telling you, if all you're focused on is your wife and this blend family or your husband and not their kids, you're missing out on one of the greatest blessings that you will ever have. Because I'm telling you now, because I decided to love my daughter, even though she wasn't from my DNA, my love for her trumped my DNA. I have been blessed beyond measure. I think the reason why I have had so many jobs so many promotions. I've been blessed. I get blessed with free stuff. I get blessed just because I know part of it is because I invested in my daughter 
in loving her beyond the love of my wife. And I'm just telling you, if you're just doing it just because of your wife or your spouse and you're forgetting about the blended family, the kids that are hers or theirs, you're missing out. God did not want you to marry that divine woman or man only to forget about their kids. And I don't care if they're not mm. respecting you. Eric, I'm telling y'all, mm. I'm telling y'all, listen to me, y'all. If y'all are listening to me, I can't share it all. But I'm just telling you, Eric, myself, there's other men, women out there that have struggled, have been to dishonor and still loved their spouse's children and have been blessed because of it. And they might call mom or dad or, or, or have been honored or been reciprocated. You have to love them beyond reciprocation. You have to love them just because. Marvin, see, every time you talk, you get me fired up. One example of that would be Kiki's in the ninth grade. I go to a volleyball game. I'm in the stands. She didn't have a great game, but she keeps looking up in the stands. And I'm like, hey, dad is right here. I'm right here. So after the game, I said, hey, why were you looking in the stands? Oh, I was waiting for my dad, my biological dad, to show up. Marcus, I got offended. I got upset. But all right, I get it. She looks like her biological father. She has his DNA. She was wanting him to come to the game, but I got offended because I'm sitting here as dad who makes everything. Man, that's some of the stuff I had to learn. Why am I getting upset? She has every right to want her biological dad to be in her life. Those are things that we learn, and there's no manual for that. Man, ain't no manual. <laughs> I need y'all to share this because we're the manual. We writing the manual right now, Pastor Eric Anderson. We're writing it. All this commentary that people are reading. Guys, we're writing the manual because I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be easy. I say it every time, and I think I need to get another T-shirt that says this. Being in a blended family ain't for no punks. Y'all, this <laughs> like that. Is it, ain't, it ain't for no punks. All right. Being in a blended family will punk you if you let it. So I'm letting you know, <laughs> you know, if you're not in it for the long game, yeah. don't get in it to begin with. Save that wife or that husband the trouble and the children of having to go through another relationship that didn't make it. Because as y'all have always, I've always said this, blended families are great, but they were born out of pain. It was from a failed relationship. People don't go into a relationship, have some children, and then expect not to be with that person. So it was out of pain. So to then double that pain, that's that's craziness. That's 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 crazy. So my point is, y'all, what Pastor Eric Anderson is saying, man, that's a real life story. I've dealt with stories like that too. And I had to Eric, just like you did, where I had to realize that's her father. By blood, she's going to have a tie to him always. She's always going to have an ache to have him be a part of her life. And I'm okay with that now. About about 23 years ago, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I wanted to divorce this lady because of it. I was tired of it. Thank God I had some accountability partners like Pastor Eric Anderson, uh, uh, Pastor Wayne Robinson, um, um, Pastor Titus Stewart. You know, that that encouraged me. So my point is, guys, if you don't have no accountability partners like like I do, like we did, 
you need to get some. And I'm going to let you know, the blended family guy, I'm here to be that accountability partner for you because I'm not just going to tell you what you need to hear. I'm going to tell you, you need to stick it out. You yeah. made vows to that woman and her wife or, or and the wife or that husband. You got to stick it out. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm good, go. man. Hey, we got we got this part two. So let me thank you publicly for yes. to be on your platform. Right. And just, I hope that people have been helped by this. And maybe uh, you know, I always try to make sure I'm I'm guarding my daughter's privacy and confidentiality, right. but at the same time, giving enough to let them know. And our marriage is not perfect. Our blended family hasn't been perfect. It would never be perfect. But we can do this. So thank you and Crystal for letting me be on this platform. And I look forward to next Sunday. Hey, man, let's do it. Thanks again for already accepting. Um, again, thank you, Cheryl, for letting us borrow about two hours of your husband's time. I already know he's Ooh, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, we went long on this one, man. Um, and tell Aaron uh, the same, man. I'm going to let you go. Um, we'll get together next Sunday. Same time, same place. Blended family playbook. Listeners, y'all are part of the family. We need y'all to share this. Come back next Sunday and invite somebody else, all right? Um, oh, also, Global Outreach Community Church. Every Sunday, 9.30 a.m. at the Overlook in Atascacita, Texas. Guys, come on out. Great word starts at 9.30. Great word, great singing. Um, my wife is the praise and worship leader. Uh, Cheryl Anderson, Pastor Eric Anderson's wife is on the praise team. Man, I mean, uh, um, Kiki, Pastor Eric's daughter is on it. Man, we, uh, my, my mom, Crystal's mom, she's there. Great word, great children's church. All right, from, from, uh, um, oh Jesus, I forgot my, um, give me her name, um, Micah Trisha Frazier. Children's Church. Y'all, we got some good stuff going on at the Overlook. Come on out. Bring your family. We are intentional about being a multicultural ministry that delivers great word to impact you and your family. Come on out. Eric, I'll talk to you later. I'll keep going. I want to say I love y'all. Come on out next Sunday, 6 p.m. And if you can't do 6 p.m., come on out to the Overlook at 9.30 a.m., all right? I'll talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good night.